and welcome to yet another podcast of the Women's Workshop. I'm Ella, the founder of the Women's Workshop, and this is my co-host and partner, Immy. Hi, I'm Immy Middy, and let's just have some fun today. <laughs> so we've got a few bits to talk about today. So firstly, we want to talk about our upcoming competition, which you will have seen on our Instagram at the women's underscore workshop. Uh, this competition is open to anyone who works in any medium. And we ask you to say what feminism and art means to you. Uh, so this can be interpreted however you like. And the winner will be commissioned by us to design our podcast logo. Um, so if anyone's interested, feel free to enter. All you have to do is post it onto Instagram uh, and tag me at the women's underscore workshop. Well, both of us and at Immy Middy. So please do enter. We're looking forward to seeing all of your amazing creations. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. And don't worry, any medium. Like I know that the end product, like you are being commissioned to do a design, but I reckon it'd be cool if we could have a sculpture as our logo. That'd be awesome. So cool. Yeah. So whatever, like literally, I don't even know, even if there's a medium I can't think of right now, like performance, that would be cool. If you could do a performance logo, that would be great. So anything you can think of, anything you work in, go for it. <laughs> um, so next week, uh, we've got a really exciting interview with um, Zoe, who, do you want to say a bit about her, Amy, as you know her better than yeah. I do? <laughs> Zoe, as creative, a fantastic photographer who I've known for donkey's years, was my, my best friend for ages, in, best friend in Leeds for ages, just love it a bits. fantastic photographer, has worked in clubs, has worked in boudoir photography, is starting to go into more conceptual photography, fantastic person, love it a bits, though she did once tell me I had a punchable face, so, you know. <laughs> what defines expects a punchable that. face? I don't know, but expect that podcast to be a lot of me and Zoe ripping into each other, but we'll still be friends by, by the end of it. <laughs> well, I'm definitely, I definitely want to add that as a question. What defines a punchable face? <laughs> but she's also genuinely just a lovely person, Zoe. So we're very excited to introduce her. Um, lastly, we have an Instagram Live, our first one coming up on the 20th of April, which is uh, today. So it's at 6.30 tonight. Please do come and listen. It's a QA. and 6.30 UK time. 6.30 UK time, yes. We're aware that we have listeners and uh, followers from loads of different countries. So at 6.30 UK time, it's going to be a Q&A. We just want to find out what you want from the Women's Workshop, your ideas, and really involve all of our... Yeah, rather than us being asked questions, you'll be, we'll be asking you questions and you'll be providing the answer. Like a reverse Q&A. Exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> didn't think of it like that. So, yeah, if you want to come along, uh, it'd be great to hear all of your ideas. And, yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing you all there. Um, unless we've got any further announcements, which I don't believe we do. Um, we're going to dive into an interview with Dominica. Uh, do you want to say a bit about her, Amy? Yeah, Dominica. Um... I'm just going to pull the curtain back a little bit. We've actually already done the interview. You, you'll be able to tell YouTube because our lightings will be slightly different. <laughs> um, but Dominika is a fantastic artist, got such a cool story, currently based in Poland, but she's worked in Munich, in Germany, and in New York as well. Um, she doesn't have one medium, she's got every medium. She does it all. She's the coolest person I've ever spoken to. Honestly, there are so many parts of the interview where there's just 
like gold quotes like when she is a famous artist we're gonna listen back to this podcast and be like oh my fucking god we spoke to dominica and i feel like it will just be dominica you know one name because she'll be that well known that it would it will just be the first name that and we lots of people are ignorant and can't pronounce names that aren't english yes that's very true well they like the english sucks so even though i am english sadly um but anyway it's an amazing interview she's an amazing person and a very talented artist um so we hope you enjoy this interview and um let's dive in hi dominica thank you so much for coming on the podcast today how are you i'm good thank you for having me ella so happy to be here Oh, good. How have you? Uh, how have you been doing during lockdown? Or I don't know. Just tell us a bit about where you are at the moment. So I'm in Warsaw, Poland, at the moment, um, which is hmm, it's it's been like an on and off lockdown. Like with it hasn't been as bad as like a year ago in March, where everything shut down. But it constantly like they shut some stuff down and they reopen it and you basically never know where you're at so yeah i mean i've been working from home so it's fine and just like seeing my closest friends on and off so like nothing crazy but it's been pretty good i would say because like even though every like the world is going crazy i'm like trying to look at the positive and like just Okay, this is my time to focus on my stuff. It's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. it's very, very important we stay positive in these like weird times. I feel like I go through phases of being really, really positive. Like I'll wake up and be like, you're alive, the sun is shining, everything's fine. And then other days I'll wake up and I'll be like, why? We're like, why, why, is, why is this still happening? Yeah. But I feel like that's just that's just life in general. So it's fine. But um, yeah, I think COVID's been quite similar over here as well. We've just literally been constantly in and out of lockdowns. And Right, let's get into it proper. First, let's tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in art. Oh my god, that's a tough question and a long story. Um, so <laughs> basically, I've always wanted to be an artist. Well, when I was growing up, I had like three life goals, like three dreams. Professional. I wanted to be an artist or a flight attendant or work at McDonald's because I could get all the toys, you know? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other two didn't quite work out. Um, well, the flight attendants almost did, but then COVID happened. So that's another story. Um, but, but I was basically always drawing and like creating things and, um, like middle school through high school, I got really into fashion and like started making my own clothes and then you know, I have to choose where to go to college and all that stuff. And I've I had this dream of moving to New York. So I did. I, I went to Parsons for my BFA and I got, I majored in fashion design. Oh my God, <laughs> you're officially like the coolest person I've ever met. <laughs> I mean, I've been like all over the place. Um, but like there, as I was doing fashion design, 
I started getting interested in wearable tech and virtual and virtual reality and like you know all the techy stuff and like digital design because like before I went to Parsons I like I knew zero digital tools like no Photoshop no Illustrator nothing so it was all through like experimentation figuring things out and like I think my sophomore year I got really mad at my friend and I just I just started like painting all over his picture in Photoshop and that turned into a fabric print and out of that I got like this huge collection of like creating different fabric prints and like using that method of like painting over pictures to create surface designs and that just kind of like snowballed into other things um but yeah and for my senior thesis i did a wearable tech collection and like my senior year we had a collaboration with intel have you um have you heard of iris van herpen oh yeah oh i absolutely love her have you heard of her amy no um, she's a fashion designer and she does like 3D drawings as dresses and like these crazy like you could probably describe it better than me but I have looked into her and she does like dresses that are um, like they move like as you wear them and things and there was this one um, exhibition fashion show she did where it was all based on like the element of water so she created all these dresses that like were sort of kinetic like kinetic mechanism or something that moved and she also had an underwater orchestra who were an orchestra who played in massive tanks on the side of the catwalk underwater yeah she's insanely cool but the problem was that she was she's based in um she's in the netherlands yeah um and I was in New York, so that didn't quite connect to this. But like, I was actually thinking of applying to work at her studio, but somehow that never happened. I don't know why. But like, then I started doing other things. And like, I worked for two small designers in New York. And then it was like, okay, so what are you going to do? Are you going to continue going to school, you know, for to get a, a master's? Or are you going to go back? to Europe and try to do things here and like I got into school but I was like that makes no sense because like in two years time I'm gonna be in the exact same situation with you know student visa where you have to get sponsored or whatever and I was like okay so I'm just gonna go back and see what happens and then I worked in Germany for like six, seven months as a 3D designer, <laughs> which was an interesting experience. And then I moved back to Warsaw and like traveled, traveled, ugh, sorry, I can cut that out. Um, and traveled for a little bit and yeah, just, you know, started diving into deeper into the art side of things but also like trying to keep the design side as well. And like, I've been really wanting to combine the two, like combine the art with design because they seem very separate. And it really bothers me sometimes how people approach design as this disposable thing instead of treating it as art, which it is in a way, it's just a different type of art. 
what do you think your would you say you have like an aesthetic or like within your art like a main aesthetic that you follow or is it all just however you're feeling at the time I think I do but it's like it's hard to describe it in words you know but there's always like crazy shapes and um crazy colors there's always lots of colors which I get I- a very like software gore sort of vibe <laughs> yeah a little bit um but so i think it like goes back to how it was it i don't know why but it all well i guess that's a good thing but like it all connects for me um so from like the my sketchbooks in in, in college like i was creating all those crazy um collages and then was drawing on top of that like tracing that to get shapes and 3d modeling to get more shapes and just like combining the two so it was always like that that like gamified like kind of futuristic and sci-fi but also not entirely so it's like it's hard to give it words (laughs) I think you described it really well um I get whenever I see your work um there's this film I watched called Sucker Punch um I don't know if you've heard of it but it's a really weird film basically about this girl who is in a mental institution and oh my god I'm sorry like this goes somewhere and (laughs) um half the film is like it'll be like totally well normal like she's in the mental institution living the life and everything and then all of a sudden it'll go into like video game form and like it's like she's in a video game and she'll be like fighting these like cgi graphic creatures and stuff um and yeah i get a very like video gamey like vibes from you. i feel like you'd be so good at designing a video i game love like video games but so i'm not really into like playing all the new games that they're that coming out i really love vintage arcade games i even have a little atari um and like sometimes i just like play space invaders on it yeah it's amazing i love it so much and like when i was a kid i had a ps1 and i used to play spyro all the time you know like the little dragon the yeah. little purple dragon that was my favorite and i'm actually pretty sure i still have that somewhere and it still works i've been meaning to like dig that up but i remember i had an illegal copy of spyro and it was broken so all of the dragons were speaking spanish and i couldn't understand a word of it <laughs> so funny so my mine was all in english and like i understood like maybe a quarter of what they were saying and it was just like I mean, I've been fluent in English since I was 15, but that was like before that. <laughs> just like playing, but not really knowing what's going on, but still having fun. So just like, you know, riding along with it. That's all that matters. <laughs> when I was about, um, I think I was about six and I was watching Toy Story and like my mum, it was like proper on VHS back then on video. And my mum like put the video in and then like, you know, gone, had her evening, whatever, like in the living room. And she came back in like half an hour later and I was watching Toy Story in Greek. And obviously I had no idea what was going on, but she asked me like, oh, she was like, oh my God, do you want me to change it back to English? And I was like, no, no, I like watching it in Greek, leave me be. So I just watched the whole of Toy Story in Greek. <laughs> 
it was quite a different experience to watching it in English, but I think it was slightly better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can honestly learn languages that way if you're a kid. It's yeah. truly amazing. Well, I think that's why so many uh, other countries learn English like more than we learn other languages because like of American culture and like English media and all that sort of stuff. But I got really into this um, Korean drama when I was about 15 and I like I can't I cannot speak Korean, but like I know quite a lot of Korean words now because I watched it about five times and I was so invested in it. And now I can I can say I love you, I hate you and oi. So going pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I learn Japanese. You can speak Japanese? What? Wait, what? Well, I can speak lines from anime. <laughs> I know what they mean. Have a conversation uh, that way, in a way. Yeah, I can. I, I worked in a Japanese restaurant for a bit and I could, like, call the chef out because I could understand that he was giving me abuse. Oh, my God. In Japanese, and I just went... I, I just went, I know what that word means, you know? Oh, I, this is why you should always learn the swear words of every language first. Like in Spanish, I know all the really bad swear words. So if someone says something, like I know what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. I learned how to swear in sign language. Oh, I don't. How, sh okay, show us one. I want to know. Okay, so this is fuck off. Wait, wait. Like that? Only one motion. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Fist and the the other one is over. Fist and then it's yeah. Let's fuck off. And then that is fuck you, fuck all of you. Oh my god, I love that. That's so dramatic as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. Apparently in Greece, if you do this, I don't know if this is true. My dad told me this, so it might be a dad fact. But like, if you do this, it means go to hell instead of like stop or high or whatever. Well, it's like in Italy, that is an insult. The tooth thing. No, biting, biting your thumb. Oh, there's also another thumb thing as well, though, isn't there? Like, if you do that, isn't that like a... Oh, it's, it's that. Something. Oh, yeah. It's that from the chin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine... This is going to be great for audio listeners. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. We're going to have to do, like... You're going to have to insert, like, Siri instructions, like, person flicking tooth with thumb. <laughs> Anyway, should we circle back to the the hot topic? This is yeah. hot, Dominica. Like, this is how casual it is. I love it. It's great. So, our next question is: What is the Polish art scene like? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have no idea. You cut out that question. I'm just I live on the internet honestly which I guess fits in with my whole video game vibe <laughs> <laughs> what about what about New York then was was it a bit less pretentious there or was yeah. it still pretty pretentious I feel like it was more open but you know I, I went to design school so I wasn't really doing like fine arts in New York um, that transition let's say happened recently um, but it always kind of been there it's it's like see it's like that weird combo with me for everything <laughs> it's just like mixing things together things together that's yeah. good though mixing yeah. things together that should shouldn't be together or you haven't thought of always end up with like 
things that were more interesting than they were to begin with, if that means yeah. it. I agree with that completely. That's yeah. how I came up with the idea of cooking bacon in lemonade. Ooh! That is a very bold choice. Yeah, but it's I really nice. Because lemonade is sweet. And um, I remember... I remember my friend in New York getting crepes with Nutella and bacon. That's interesting. Well, like maple syrup and bacon is like classic, isn't it? And that's really, really good. Um, I accidentally almost cooked an omelette in lime cordial the other day, but that was completely unintentional because I thought it was olive oil. <laughs> oh, that would have burnt. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was thinking, like, I put it into the pan. I was like, this doesn't look like the consistency of oil. But I was like, maybe it's just like, maybe it's just a bit runnier than usual. But no, it was lime cordial. So this is me living at home with my parents. Like, I'm moving out in two weeks and I have no idea how I'm going to keep myself alive. You're going to die. I am going to die. You'll have to send me like food packages to keep me alive because I'm incapable. Fine. I mean, okay, so when I moved to Munich, I had a gas stove and I'm really scared of gas for some reason because I've we've have we have an electric stove here and in New York I also had an electric electric stove. And I couldn't figure out how to turn it on. And like I would always, and like the the knobs didn't have the markings, which one is which. Oh no! And I was like, turn it on, and like, you know, try to light it, but nothing was happening, and it was smelling like gas. So every time I would panic and just like turn it off and like open the windows, and then I was facetiming someone. No, I was facetiming the girl that I was renting the apartment from, and she was like, "You're, you're just using the wrong burner." <laughs> I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? And I was like, yeah, like you're turning on the back one, not the front one. Oh, well, if they don't have the markings there, that's not your fault. Exactly. It's just a wild guess. You just have to put the light at all of them and hope your hand doesn't burn off. (laughs) What I would have done is I would have just turned all of the knobs on and then ignited them all and then turned them off one by one to figure out where they were. See, I was a bit dangerous. (laughs) Scared of gas to do that. It's like, yeah. the gas freaks me out. And like, I had um, a gas radiator, like gas heater there. And in the winter, I would always turn it all the way down. Like I would always just turn it off. So whenever I came back home from work, I would have to like turn it back on and like sit in my jacket because it was still too, it was too cold. <laughs> I want some melted half of our microwave um at one of our student houses because like i cooked for the first time ever because like i never cook i'm like a you know noodle person who just pours hot water onto things and hopes that you can eat them um and i left the stove on and then i came down i'd accidentally melted half of the microwave so like for the rest of the year we could only put the microwave up to one minute because past one minute it was melted oh my god but it didn't it's good <laughs> Okay, now I'm a little bit worried about you moving. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, you can't do this, but maybe not. <laughs> microwave. Circling back to art, um, what mediums, what mediums do you actually work in? Like, oh my god, a little bit of all of them. Mm-hmm. So um, right now, so what you've mostly seen is my like my ongoing project which I started 
to because basically I was just getting frustrated with myself and I was like constantly getting into my head that I'm not creating anything or like why are you thinking instead of doing and just I was like okay you need like a solid project that you're gonna do something creative something visual it doesn't have to be pretty it doesn't have to have like any meaning attached to it no pressure just something create something every single day and post it so there's some accountability that goes with it so that's what i've been doing for 135 days i think now so oh my god thanks i'm really (laughs) proud of myself and like every day i'm just like oh my god i have to do this but then i just do it and it's fine (laughs) how many days are you gonna do it for the whole year 365 oh my god that's so cool yeah and i'm mixing so i'm using mostly well the final edit is in photoshop but i mix some pictures into it um some digital drawings that i do in vr so it's not really drawings but it's not really 3d modeling either it's like virtual drawings that are three-dimensional there's not a word for it somewhere in between yeah exactly and i just like take screenshots of them it's like well sometimes i export them and manipulate them a little bit but mostly i just take screenshots of them and just like layer the images on top and just see what happens so there's that um i draw on my ipad a little bit and then there was this project that i recently done um that was part of an art residency that I was in from January and we actually just finished like two weeks ago I think um it was we created this AR installation that was inspired by a dream world and it's like bring the dream world into the reality and highlighting that if some, just because something is not there doesn't just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there um basically playing with the idea of perception and objective versus subjective reality reality um which was drawn in vr the like the individual elements then i printed them all out like i just printed out the screenshots because i had to figure out how to arrange the installation and I pasted them onto glasses. And I was like literally working on my table, just like trying to like shuffle it all up and like figure out how the composition is gonna look like. And then going back into the, back into 3D modeling and like arranging it all together so it could be augmented reality. Yeah, it was like a lot of steps, to just like going from digital to real to back to digital. But it's done. And then the artist I was working with, she's a photographer. She's also really amazing. Her name is Isra. Um, and she's based in Amman. Um, but she did a whole photo shoot with it. Um, so she had a model and the model was interacting with the installation itself. So that's mostly the digital stuff that I do. And I play around with VR as well. So, I mean, that That's was awesome. the drawings, but I also want to create some experiences 
but still into learning like figuring it out and learning it all so haven't really done that much there yet but i will and then on the more real side um i make clothes because well lots of training in that so can't really escape it and and it's fun i really love it um i paint a little bit um well i haven't really painted since like freshman year of college but i've been like slowly getting myself back into it and just like again no pressure just like see how you feel about it and just try experiment with things see how it goes um I've been doing a little bit of embroidery, but mostly with clothes, so I'm just like, I really want to step away from like, an art object is something you can't touch, or you can't use. Like I mentioned before, like the idea of merging design with art, it's like, I want both, all at the same time. And if there's a digital layer on top of the real thing, that's even better. Oh, and there's this new project that I'm working on, um, which I really love, but it also freaks the shit out of me because I've never done that before. Um, I wrote, I wrote a few poems, so it's like a little poem series, um, and there is, I, cr I created little videos that go with it with the poems that like kind of illustrate the poems, but like in a very abstract way and mostly like just evoking the feelings that you can like observe in the poems um and i got those by feeding an ai software to like different images that are like somewhat related to the poems but not necessarily and like you know all in that realm and I got those really beautiful videos out of it. And I think I'm gonna turn that into a, like an experience kind of a thing slash installation. I don't know yet. I'm oh still my God, do it. That sounds absolutely amazing. That does sound cool. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, you are honestly like one of the coolest <laughs> people I've ever met. Like I'm just listening to you talk and I'm like, oh my goodness, you've accomplished so much. <laughs> it does not feel like it sometimes, but yeah. No, I love I do a lot. I do a lot. Yeah, but I love that. I love how you've dabbled in everything and like, that you haven't just stuck to one thing. And I think it's so much more exciting doing things like that as well. Because yeah. even if you do something that you've never done before and you do it really like badly or you know, um, it's just like nice to get out of your comfort zone and do something that is completely different to what you would normally do. But no, definitely do that as an installation because I would pay to go to that. <laughs> awesome. That sounds really cool. Like, I did an installation when I was in uni. It was just literally, I tricked people into a theatre. Uh, there was no act on, and I just had speakers underneath people's chairs, and I just blasted white noise into their ass. Okay. And it made people very, very ill. But, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's certain frequencies here within white noise which, like, resonate with the human body and make people throw up. Oh my oh god. My I had no yeah. idea. I'm kind of sick. It's like a human experiment <laughs> slash installation. <laughs> but, you, but you could change that around with the poems and make it something a bit more pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than something utterly horrific. I was actually thinking about 
if I because like I do want to keep the poems in the installation, but I'm not sure about the form. So I was thinking maybe I could read them. I don't know, but because like I like, I've never done anything with sound, and I've been so drawn to it recently. But at the same time, I'm not a musician. There's a thing called swinging speakers where um, you put speakers on pendulums, four of them, and then you set them going on different rates. So um, you end up with a Doppler effect on your own voice. So you could do something like that. That's a good idea. I'm going to write it down and I'll explore that. Sorry, I'm so excited for like this project. I've got an idea. So you could have it like walking into a room and you could have something maybe like projected on the walls. And then you could have like little sort of like spots throughout the room, like little cubby holes where people have to like bend down and like listen to like the whispers, which are your poems. That'd be really cool. Yeah, because I was I was actually thinking of like not reading them like normally, but it's like, yeah, whispering and seeing what happens. Because that would really fit in with the poems and like the whole idea behind it because like it, it's about a fantasy it's about a fantasy that you have at like 3 a.m it's like thinking that someone's there with you but then no one's there so exactly yeah yeah i think the idea i really like um i really like exhibitions or installations that use sound because i feel like it's something you don't always expect to see like in a sort of fine art or like an art setting and I feel like it's always a little bit different so you should definitely do that I think sound would be a good thing to explore yeah I really love when you walk into an exhibition and you can just get yourself lost in it you forget about the entire world that's around and you just you're just there with the art I remember there was this one exhibition at PS1 um, at MoMA in New York. Um, I think it was Mike Kelly, um, but there was this one room where it was his older work because he's mostly known for the um, for the plushies and for the toys. Um, but it was his, his like really early work that was like, I think it was like, like Superman world or something. But there was, there were this like, Oh, how do I describe those? Like glass domes with little cities in it, and there was like music going and oh, like, that's like from colors and stuff. It was so cool. Like I remember it to this day. It was so immersive. Oh. I remember which comic book that's in. Yeah. It is a Superman one, and it, I think yeah. Brainiac likes kidnaps cities and puts them in little snow globes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I that, love... that's, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. I, I love exhibitions that take you into like little worlds. Like I love little places you can kind of explore and go into. I went to an exhibition, oh, I'm going to butcher the name because it was quite a while ago, but I think they were called the Kabakovs and they were like this duo, these duo Russian artists. And it was a proper experience that like you walked into the exhibition and there were loads of little sections. And I remember this one room being filled with these tiny little tightropes that went across the room and there were all these tiny little like paper men walking across all the tightropes. Um, and then one of the other rooms was called like the train to nowhere or something. And there was just a massive train like going through the room. Um, but like, I love stuff like that, where it completely takes you, like you don't feel like you're in an exhibition room anymore. Like, as you said, it feels more of an experience than just staring at a picture. Not that there's anything wrong with staring at a picture, but you know yeah. what, it makes it more immersive. 
like as I said, it's like transporting you to a whole different world. And I think that's what's most powerful about art. But like also part of it is design because you have to design it in a certain way so that it actually works. Um, and like, it's, it can be so powerful because you get to experience things you wouldn't normally experience. Um, you can put yourself in situations that you wouldn't necessarily consider before because they just don't apply to you because of whatever circumstances. They're just not part of your regular experience. So yeah, I think it's super important that it's like a little more than just slapping a picture on the wall. But like, like you said, there is nothing wrong with having a painting or a picture or anything visual on the wall that can be powerful too but i think the setting it's in is equally as important yeah definitely i agree well that's why like curation is such a big thing because it's the way something's displayed like or being um we had this person come in to talk to us when we were at uni about being an exhibition manager which sounded like the coolest job because you get to like help design the sets for like all the exhibitions so she was talking about working on um the tim walker exhibition at the vna um and how like he wanted like loads of like massive props hung from the ceiling and everything and like curating it so it looks exactly how like the artist envisioned um but yeah I think bringing stuff to life like that like as you said anything can be kind of captivating and transport you even if it is like 2d it's about how it's displayed yeah, yeah. one of my favorite artists I've forgotten their name they're Japanese but one of their most famous expositions was they took casts of people's like th dead people's bones and arranged their skeletons as if they were doing that person's job so that there was like a builder skeleton that was built in a house oh wow yeah and it was all in a dark room and the only things that were lit up were the bones it was oh. the creepiest thing i've ever seen oh my yeah, god that's also, but it also sounds really beautiful yeah in like a very creepy way <laughs> um, but Sorry, no, go on. No, no, no you go. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say that artist also reminded me of this other artist who I can't remember the name of. It's really going to annoy me. I'll look it up afterwards and we'll put it in our little playlist or post whatever. But um, yeah, he does these casts of like real human people, but then he displays them like in the ocean. So I think he does some like off the coast of Mexico or something and you have to go scuba diving to see them. And he places like um, full body casts of people like standing at the bottom of the ocean in like circles or like he'll do a cast of a sofa with like a guy watching TV and they're just all at the bottom of the ocean. And you have to go, yeah. And you have to go diving down there to go and see them. So it's like literally an exhibition in the sea. <laughs> If you don't know that's there, that must scare the absolute crap out of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, I really want to go and see it though. I love like things that are a little bit like right. It's somewhere near Cancun. Yes, I think so. I think he's got them in a few different places. I think they're not just like I think he's set like the underwater exhibitions up in quite a few places. But oh, it's really going to annoy me now. Um, Emmy, you ask the next question. I'm going to look up what his name is because it's going to bug me. Okay. Has your style evolved in any like major ways, would you say? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think I'm more confident now in exploring the shapes instead of just repeating them. 
So what I used to do um, for the for the fabric designs, I used to always like I would create the initial picture and then I would rely mostly on mirroring it in different ways um, and creating the image that way. Um, but now I feel like I've kind of evolved from that and I don't also, and I'm more free with how, how I create the visuals than I was before. And also I feel more confident in it. I feel like yeah. it's gotten, if, when I look at it all together, I can see the progression and like how it's evolving in some, all very subtle ways. But I can't, like, I can't quite explain, like, how, in what exact ways, but it's definitely evolved. Yeah, like, you're trusting like, the process a little bit more. Yeah, just like looking from the very first sketches from school to, like, now, it's like two different words. I think, yeah, trusting the process is definitely important because I think sometimes things do need to get bad before they get good. Like if you're making like a picture or a sculpture or photography or whatever you're doing, it always starts off, you're like making it and you're like, what the actual fuck is that? But like, if you keep working on it and keep working on it and you figure out what you don't like and what you do like, like eventually over time it becomes good or like what you perceive to be good anyway. Oh yeah. I mean, even my illustrations, like my fashion illustrations, oh my god, the first ones, so bad. So, so bad. <laughs> but then I eventually, like, I figured out what works for me the best. And it was the best feeling ever. And, like, I'm still using that style, let's say, in certain, th- in certain things, but it's also kind of evolving. So, yeah, definitely. And also you pick up a lot of fun tricks along the way along the way because you know like what doesn't quite work but then you you know how to like i don't want to say fake things but how to make things easier for yourself yeah, yeah. or you'll meet somebody who does them in a really interesting way and try and recreate that way yeah. i do that all the time with music i see somebody who tries to write a song backwards like note for note and see how it works forwards it's always awful. Um, I'm sorry, brief interlude. I found who the artist was. It was really going to bug me. Uh, the underwater guy is called Jason DeCaz Taylor. Okay. Does that, ring, okay. does that ring a bell? Okay, that probably doesn't mean anything to anyone. But for our many, many listeners, if you want to look him up, that's who he is. Um, and going back to the questions, um, what do you actually use to create your artworks and what technology are you interested in using? So... Recently, I've I've gotten really into AR because of the installation. I'm in by no means an expert, but I'm having fun, and I think that's the most important thing. Oh, like, oh definitely. I, I was trying to turn it because I we we built it in Adobe Arrow, so like I know all the Adobe apps like back and forth because of how much I've been using them. Um, which is a great application, and, but the only crux is that when you built it in it, like you kind of have to view it through it, and it's fine. It's you know you can download it for free, so you can totally view it. It's just an extra step that the, the 
viewer, the audience has to take to experience the installation. So I was trying to export it so that it could work as a filter or something. And it was a big pain in the ass. <laughs> because of the way I like created the shapes and there were like things overlapping and I was just like constantly trying to optimize it. And I was just like, ah, shit. Like when you're creating the things like the thing like that later, you need to think about that first. Like actually creating the shapes so they're not ridiculously heavy. <laughs> but yeah, live and learn. It's still great though. Um, so yeah, it's been augmented reality recently. Um, and like lots of Adobe stuff. But just like, like with everything, I just jump between the things all the time. So, yeah, it's all over the place again. <laughs> how did you? Uh, how did you actually learn how to do all the Adobe software? Did you learn it when you were at Parsons, or? Yeah. So, but, but it was again all through like experimentation mm. because we didn't have like a class that was oh this is the class where you were in Photoshop. No, it was like. Actually, I remember the first time we had to use it. Um, we had to create this landscape that was part hand-drawn and part drawn in Illustrator. So we're like literally sitting in class and figuring out how that thing works. And like, of course, the professor would give us some pointers and like how, like what are the important things and what to keep in mind, etc. But ultimately, you had to figure out the whole workflow for yourself. And I still have that somewhere. <laughs> we just have to dig it up. Um, but yeah, and from there, we were just using it for different things in different projects. So it, you just kind of learn it by default. you have a favorite tool in Adobe? I think it's going to be Photoshop and After Effects. I love After Effects. After Effects I, good. I don't know it that well. I'm still learning, but fun oh my god there's so many things you can do um and actually uh, funny enough like i started learning after effects a little more when i was working on a project with my friend from school she's um she's a dancer and a choreographer and she was working on a performance and she she wanted some she wanted like Oh my god, I don't even remember how we started. She was just like looking for collaborators. And I was like, yeah, I totally want to collaborate. I have no idea what we're going to do, but let's do it. And she started just sending me videos from the rehearsals. And I just started manipulating them and like playing with the colors. And then in the end, she ended up projecting those videos that I was sending her into the space um to create ambience and change how the light looked in the space during the performance it was also really cool i i never got to see the performance because i was here and she was in new york it was like it was two years ago now um but it was oh my god it was such a great project to work on and the whole performance was so beautiful it's actually up on my website that you can see um i need to rearrange my website but um, it's under the video stuff. 
how yeah. many how much video stuff have you done are you interested in sort of going down that route not that much <laughs> but yeah i'm very much interested in exploring it more even not so much as like the main thing but as part of other things because like working on that project with Ella, like, funny enough, her name is also Ella. Um, good name. <laughs> yeah, it is a good name. <laughs> um, it was, it like, you know, you could, we used the projector and the video to change how everything looked in the space because like there were two and one was projecting on the wall so you could see the actual video. And the one was, the other one was kind of projecting like upwards but not straight on the ceiling, but like kind of into the space. So you couldn't quite see what the actual video was, but you could still see the light changes. So, so many things you can do. Yeah, I love how much you've just experimented with everything. Like, I feel like there's very few things it sounds like. Is there anything like you haven't experimented with yet that you want to? Yes, music. Oh, of course. Well, you've come to the right place because Immy's a musician, so. Yeah. yeah. Master's degree in music, so. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Not to brag or anything, Immy. No, you know, it only cost me, what, seven and a half grand, you know? <laughs> well, mine yeah. cost me I'm not, not going to tell you how much, how much my fashion design degree sent me back, because, like, <laughs> Oh my God, I know. Well, I was looking at this, um, after I finished, was coming to the end of my course, I was looking at this fashion photography and styling course in Milan, in Italy. And I was like, oh my God, I would be in Italy. And you get to do like a whole year out, like in the industry as well. Um, and then I looked at how much it cost. It was for one year, right? Only one year. And you go out, like spend six months in the fashion industry, six months being like studying and everything. And um, I had a call with the administrator of the course and she was like, okay, yeah, so it's £35,000 for a year. And for I was like, for one year. And then I was like, oh, okay, um, are, there any, are there any loans I can get? No, not a single loan. You have to pay £35,000 that I just have, you know, sitting in my piggy bank in my room. It's like, yeah, I totally have that money. Yeah, so I literally I had to play along for the rest of the phone call. Like, oh my god, yeah, I'm so interested. Thirty-five thousand pounds. Yeah, no, no worries. I'll just dip into my dip into my non-existent savings. <laughs> so yeah, after the phone call, my dreams were crushed because it did look amazing, but it's obviously designed for rich people. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of gatekeeping in that sense because, like, oh my god, going to Parsons was not easy. Like, my parents are not yeah. rich. <laughs> um, so it was like they had to so i couldn't get a loan in the us because you have to like you have to have like a co-signer that's that like worked and lived there for a certain amount of years and they have to have like really good credit and like all those like lots of crazy shit. and so and i couldn't get my own loan in poland because you know in poland you have universities for free even though they're not that great like well some of them are good but like i want it's like maybe cut that part out i don't know i should be shooting a polish education it's not that great anyway i could not get a student loan in poland and plus even if i could it would not be enough to pay for parsons so like my parents had to get like a special loan like almost like a mortgage so i could go there 
and and I did, but like I worked two jobs. Well, I Jesus. worked the entire time I was there. Like I I did school for full time, and on top of that, I well I lucked out and like was busting my ass off, um, but I was working at the dorms um, as a as a resident resident advisor. So I got to live on campus for free, and they also paid me. But it came with a lot of responsibilities, you know. Yeah. So, and and I worked in IT when I worked when I was at Parsons. So it was just like juggling a billion things. <laughs> and I was just like, honestly, how I did that, I have absolutely no idea. But I did it. You telling me that's made me so glad that I never went through with my Columbia application. Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience, and I'm so grateful for it. And I really want to move back to New York, but like, oh my god, I had, when I when going there, I had absolutely no idea what the hell I was getting myself into because it was empty. Yeah, like, I, I had fun the entire way, but I was also really tired. American universities are crazy expensive. I mean, to be fair, English universities, you still have to pay nine grand a year, which is quite a lot, but you, like, you get loans. Yeah, but that's like nothing back. compared to American yeah. universities. And they're also, they're quite chilled as well. Like you don't have to pay it back until you earn over like 24,000. And then after 30 years, if you, if you haven't got any money, you don't have to pay it back, so. Yeah, if you get a loan in the US, you have to like start paying it back right away. Oh my God, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. God, yeah, no. Especially like their private loans. I don't know about because the government has some loans as well, but you have to qualify for them, and there's like some other crazy shit that goes with that. Um, but yeah, the private ones you have to like start paying pretty much right away, or maybe there's like a tiny, tiny grace period, but it's like a few months or something. Yeah. Was it? Was it like? Was it good though? Would you say it was worth it? Are you? Oh going- yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there were there are some bad experiences along the way, because like, of course, mm-hmm. but yeah, overall, it was definitely worth it. Because like, I learned so much, and if it wasn't for that, like, I, I don't know if I would be doing the stuff that I'm doing right now. You know, like yeah. so, like I learned so many things, like about art and about myself most of all and like pushed myself to do different things and try different things and mostly the experimentation thing that's where it all came from so yeah it was definitely worth it have you experienced any misogyny or prejudice in the art world I can't say much about the art word, but I can definitely talk about school because I totally have. Oh my god! So, um, my senior year, I was working on a on a wearable tech collection, and my best friend was also working on a wearable tech collection. My best friend is man. So, and at one point my senior teacher was like oh you should not be doing that because like he's doing it already like why are you you guys are doing the same thing i was like what like yeah like why are you like you should do something else you shouldn't do wearable tech i was like but our concepts 
are totally different. We're literally just using the same technology and not in terms of like the exact same thing, as in we're making clothes that have built-in computer chips. They, they're doing totally different things. No, you should just try something else. And like they connected him with a bunch of different resources and like, um, they got him in touch with um, the head of the design technology department for masters because like they're doing things like that there. Nothing for me. And I was like, great. So, fun times. <laughs> oh my god, what a fucking asshole. You know yeah. what? You are so gonna show them up though, because you're gonna be like this amazing, famous Oh yeah, and totally artist. And you're gonna go back and be like, yeah, I had no fucking help with the from these dickheads. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like towards the end of the year, the same professor was like oh also the professor was male. Because in in oh, case that wasn't course. clear. What a shock. <laughs> Up, right he was like yeah you're gonna do amazing things and I see like bright future ahead of you and like you totally should like keep doing this and like you're good you're so amazing you've always been so amazing from the beginning I was like huh I mean thanks but what oh uh, something something you said feels like a lie <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I like I hate people like that. I hate people who are like just not nice to you for the whole duration of your stay, wherever you are, school, university, wherever. And then at the end, they're like, oh my God, yeah, I really hope, you know, good things happen for you. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> you like, I'm glad I'm not gonna see you again. <laughs> oh, I feel like it's because people want to feel like they're good people sometimes. So they feel like they have to say things to make themselves feel better. It's like, no, you're just a dick and you don't want to admit yeah. it. I mean, yeah. Like, I don't want to say that Professor was a bad person, but like, my experience was not the best. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. In case he resurfaces sometime. But you made it anyway. You made it. You made it all the way to New York. Like, you've already showed him, and I'm sure you're gonna like show him some more. So, fuck him. If you're listening, you are not welcome on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what are your plans for the future at the moment in terms of your artwork? Um, hmm. Continue making stuff, most of all. Um, but I've been looking a lot of, at a lot of different residencies and open calls, and I need to start applying to those. Because, <laughs> like, you gotta get your stuff out there. And I actually saw this really amazing thing recently. There was, like, it was this older lady who's an artist and she was i was like scrolling through tiktok just like mindlessly procrastinating on my shit um and she was talking about like you can totally make it as an artist and like don't get discouraged about getting rejections for um for open calls because like every time i try to apply something i get into my head it's like oh does this feel does it sound right and like whatever it's like and eventually i just end up applying to very little of them and she was like change your way of thinking think about it not how many you can get it's like aim for getting a hundred rejections and once you have a hundred rejections get some more 
and just like continue getting more and more and more like and eventually you stop worrying about what whether the call is right like 100% or no like you're just going to be putting your work out there and that's the most important things and eventually it's going to be harder and harder to get those rejections and also you you don't take it as personally because like you shouldn't like sometimes i mean it's it's luck and it's chance of like whether or not your your work is going to fit in with the call or with what the curator has in mind so don't worry about that just like get it out there the right people are going to see it you know your stuff is good so why freak yourself out about it try to get as many rejections as you can so that's my goal <laughs> in this next segment our artist offers up a person that inspires that art and that they love the artwork of so Donika, who have you picked to go into the hall of fame okay oh my all right so i think my favorite at the moment is sam cannon she's a she's an artist based in i want to say new york but i'm not 100% sure but she's a digital artist and she's recently been doing this really amazing um project called getting into 3d so she's been working a lot of with video and 3d and stuff like that and it's basically her transforming herself into a 3d form in, into a 3d object um and she talks in the project about a lot of the female form and how it's represented in 3d modeling it's super interesting it's a whole performance going on her instagram page right now oh my god so good you should definitely check it out um but i also love well my friend um aza sultan her work is absolutely incredible um she's um she's an artist um she's also based in new york because I, i have a lot of friends in new york um but um she explores her um cultural heritage in her works and they're all very well i i just love 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 her master's thesis um she had a she had a show last fall in new york at a gallery and she like combined things from her child childhood and, and there are like video pieces there were um hand stitched um paintings and also this one bit where she had different spices and like spice mixes created in like little pouches um so you could like actually ex- smell it and experience it so it was very multi-sensory I absolutely loved it. And her paintings, oh my god, her paintings are just out of this world. Um she had a ser- she recently was working on this series with birds um from Malaysian folklore and now she's working on another painting and oh my god, like she she's she says she can't paint hands, but like the hands she paints are look more real than mine. <laughs> like my actual hands it's insane <laughs> so 
I think she would be great to have in the Hall of Fame as well. And there is this other artist who's slightly different. Um, well, she's a fine artist. Um, she's mostly a painter. Um, her name is Camilla, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. But I'm so sorry about that. Um, Camilla Engstrom. Um, she's based in LA. And I don't know if you've seen it, but she had this little comic. She called her Husa. Um, and she was exploring the female body in terms of like, she was challenging how the female body is always presented in fashion and in the fashion industry and how it's always constrained and it has to have like certain form and it's never fully free. And Husa was the very opposite of that. And she was, you know, loving herself. Um, not like actual like female body shape but just like she's i don't want to say she's a blob but she's like a com she's very comic-y and super cute and it's like very positive and she also that does those little those like video dances on instagram that are super cheerful and oh my god her works just brings so much joy so that would also be a really good pick but i'll let you choose which whichever one of the three. Oh, they all sound amazing i actually i don't i haven't actually heard of any of them before but this is one of my favorite parts i love finding new artists through other artists because i have a very specific taste in artists like i like all the really kind of weird creepy artists i mean i like all sorts of stuff but yeah i love i love the hall of fame for that for finding new people um who do you think it like has inspired your work the most out of those people you've mentioned mm. or all of them <laughs> I don't know if I wouldn't say they inspired my work per se but more more so how I approach my work um yeah it's more it's more about the approach and how you treat your art and what kind of things you explore within it and and also like how you see yourself as an artist i think those were the things that they in the ways they inspired me the most i think rather than the actual work that i'm making inspired by the person not the product yeah exactly but i think being inspired especially in the way you approach your work is so important because the way you kind of approach your work or like the mindset you're in or the themes you're thinking of very much do influence the outcome so yeah, yeah i think that's interesting but I always find like when I'm lacking inspiration, like, I haven't done any art in ages because like, I have a full-time job at the moment. Um, but whenever I was lacking inspiration and I found like a really cool artist, it would just give me like so much more motivation to do stuff. Like when I see something that's so like beautiful or so like really, really weird, like I love really weird art. Like, um, you know, Cindy Sherman? Um, she's like a photographer slash like a visual photographer and she does like the craziest stuff like she did this one 
series, which I think was called, oh, I really should know, I can't remember. It was called like pornography or something. And she like arranged all these mannequins with these crazy faces on them. But like they were really graphic images. So she'd do like <laughs> this string of sausages like going into this mannequin and like all these sexual scenes, but made out of like plastic mannequins, like face masks. Um, yeah, I'm one of the, I'm I'm one of the weird ones. I like all the really weird stuff. But I like I love like fine art as well. Like I never really appreciated um classical art that much before because I've always been very into all the like modern conceptual stuff. But I do actually love classical art as well. Um one of my friends, Lithia, uh, she lives in Madrid and her sister works at the Prado in Madrid. So mm -hmm. we got to go on this tour with her um, and she she's like an art historian. So she was telling us all about like the histories and the stories behind all the pieces. And I think that made classical art so much more interesting to me because I was always like, well, it's just a really well painted picture, but actually like there's loads of stuff behind it. You know, there's loads of like inspirations or like uh, things taken from stories or tiny little motifs, which mean something. Like I do, I think you can have art that doesn't mean anything at all, but I do also like art where really little things mean a lot as well. Yeah, that was always Imagine this edition you've scarred you've scarred two of our podcast guests in two weeks. <laughs> and also you've mentioned Lithia, she's been listening to the podcast and she's gonna be so happy that she's been mentioned. <laughs> oh, we'll have to have her on at some point actually. Yeah, no, I do I always bring up these artists who do really good. I mean to be honest, that Cindy Sherman is one of the tamer ones compared to some of the other ones I've mentioned. <laughs> I won't yeah. I won't mention any of the creepier ones now, but we can talk about them at a later date. <laughs> so moving on to our topic of the evening, our big question. Uh Dominica, what have you chosen to talk about or what the what is the topic you're interested in today? Oh my god. What did I say? Design, I remember... design and art? I think it was something to do with that. Yeah, I think it was design and art and combining the real with digital. Um, yeah, I feel like at the moment they, they exist very separately um, for everyone which is which is so weird for me because they they they're so connected and somehow this idea that digital art is less valuable than actual art i mean now it's that's changing with the whole nft craze that's going that's been going on but i still but it still feels very gimmicky in terms of how people approach it it's like oh it's a game and it's like oh you can get all those things you know and like but in actuality it has the same value as stuff that you would see at a gallery or at a museum like all it's all museum worthy um so i think that it's something i've been struggle struggling with myself as well because like i get those thoughts that i'm just like oh you like how do you call this art you're just like messed around in photoshop for like 10 minutes like how is that valuable but at the same time it is because i created it and like i put time and effort and mental space into it and that's what art is like you put a little bit out of yourself into something else to you know create something that didn't exist there before i like well-designed art 
because like I feel like sometimes it's I've seen pieces that were just like what like why is it there <laughs> like I don't want to say that it's less valuable but sometimes when you see something you can tell it's very flat and very much on the surface and and then you don't have things that should be more appreciated aren't as appreciated because for example like it was done by a certain person and the other thing was done by another person that's not maybe as wildly popular or well known or anything and or maybe one was digital or the other one was physical and it's like but the digital one actually has more you know value and thought behind it than the actual than the real one like doesn't make you less valuable i don't think so i would you know i don't know if that any of that makes sense it's like yeah it does i rant about that for a long time and not make sense at all um i think sometimes it can be to do with um status in the art world as well in terms of how much something's appreciated or kind of how much effort goes into something like for example um Damien Hirst I don't know if you like Damien Hirst because I went through a phase of quite liking Damien Hirst but actually I kind of think he's just a bit of like a rich asshole <laughs> just because I feel like I'm using him as an example because I feel like someone like him could create anything like for example he created a skull made of diamonds and I don't really feel like that says anything it doesn't really it might just be a personal thing but I don't really feel like it spoke to me I just felt like it was sort of like a display of wealth but he could make anything he could crumple up a piece of paper or pee on something and like it would be amazing and it would be meaningful and I think in the art world because there are artists with a lot of status and a lot of money and there's also you know struggling artists or artists who aren't appreciated as much there is that imbalance of appreciation of their work there's also the um we talked about it in the podcast with me actually where the um, idea that if something's commercially popular in 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 an art then it's considered trash and it's not it's not viable because there's so much of it yeah Mm. yeah that too it's like everyone has this like internal pressure that you have to do something that's going to be liked and you know but not by too many people but just like liked by the right people but it's not what you should what should be driving you when you're creating things you know like what makes your art unique is that you made it it's your perspective um and yeah like you said some things there's so much gatekeeping in the art world um and so it's so hard to like get noticed but not necessarily because there's so many people but because i would say it's mostly because the people who are like in power per se um they're so they're very focused on like a very small group of people yeah Yeah. and like getting an mfa degree it's expensive not everyone can afford it and just that you got it does not make you a better necessarily a better artist than someone who's self-taught you know 
So there's also that little. It's like it can be weird because. So for. Let's talk about a little bit of the art world in Poland. There is a lot of competitions and like open calls in Poland that are only open to students from Polish Academy of Arts. That you have to be either a student or a graduate. And I'm just like, what about all the other artists that are creating work here? Yeah. What about the people that can't afford? Well, can't afford or don't see. But you know, but you have to get in and you have to spend money to take all the drawing lessons and everything and like to create a portfolio in order to get in. So there's also like that kind of gatekeeping. So it's like, yeah, university's free, but you have to spend money to prepare yourself to get into it. So it's really weird. And like, it just rubs me wrong. Like, Well, yeah. I just think, especially art shouldn't really have a price tag on it in terms of being able to learn how to do art because there's so many self-taught artists that like I know so many incredibly talented self-taught artists who or like even like graphic designers like I know a lot of graphic designers decide not to go to uni because you can literally teach yourself how to do it like in a year two years like I feel like it's just it's very much sold to you when you're at school or it is over here anyway like that uni is like the next step and it's the next thing you have to do and you need a degree to get a job and it's all this focus on like getting a job and the end result but in terms of art I don't think that the quality of artwork or the concepts behind it have anything to do with how you've been educated I think education helps you grow as like a person like you meet amazing people at uni and I'm sure it, like it does teach you you know some valuable stuff but I think it's not stuff that you can't learn without paying for it yeah especially when it comes to like those technical skills mm. um, it's actually one of the reasons why I decided eventually decided going against going to grad school because um I was talking to my uncle who, who actually is an artist um and he he was like telling me it's like listen a you're gonna in three years you're gonna be in the same space you are right now so trying to get a visa to stay and not being able to because the stuff you do in school doesn't count towards your artist visa and he was like but also if you're not trying to be a lawyer engineer a doctor or or try to have a you know, career in academia, there's no reason why you should be getting a grad degree, graduate degree. Because you can learn all that stuff on your own. And like you have very solid basis of like design thinking and like all the design and art skills. And you know where to look for the information and all of it is out there for you. You know, you just it will require you to have dedication and spend time on it but you would be doing that at school anyway so why why put yourself through it and when you can work on your own stuff and learn the things you actually are interested in instead of having to fulfill, fulfill a curriculum and on that it's time for leave the podcast listeners something to think about and start wrapping it up 
<laughs> right so uh thank you so much for coming on today dominica it was so interesting to listen to you and i think honestly you are the coolest person i've ever spoken to before <laughs> you're so cool um anyway i'm not gonna get like super gushy uh thank you so much for listening uh so where can people find you on social media and online dominica how can we pr- promote you um you can find me on my instagram it's at Dominika Jeska, which is, I know it's hard, but I will spell it out for you. So it's D O M I N I K A J E Z E W S K A. That's my Instagram tag. And my website is actually the same, just com. So once you get there, you'll find it. Uh, do you have a- and if you are having trouble spelling her name will be in the title of the podcast so Please. that's not an excuse <laughs> um do you have an etsy shop or anything are you selling any of your work at the moment so i don't i have a small print shop but i'm thinking of totally redoing it so i would say no but it's coming so something to look forward to yeah exactly uh, well, a little bit of self-promotion for us. You can find us at the women's underscore workshop and you can find Immy at Immy Midi, which is I-M-M-I-M-I-D-I. And you can also find me Ella Jasmine.Samuel. Pretty sure that's what it is. Anyway, you can find us. Um, and if you do want to get involved and come on the podcast, uh, then feel free to contact me uh, at the women's underscore workshop or Immy Midi. And uh, yeah, we'll get back to you. So thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs>